You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. Our passage this morning uh, that we'll be looking at is coming out of Joshua chapter 1. And we're actually going to start with verse 1 through 9. Um, before we read it, though, there's a little context. Uh, this is in the Old Testament. And the Israelites have, um, if you remember the, the book of Exodus, the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt. And through a miraculous series of events, they're delivered from the bondage of slavery. And they followed the Lord's leading. There is a, 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 a pillar, a cloud pillar by day and a pillar of fire by, an out, by night that they followed and led them. And God led them to the promised land, to the land that he had promised Abraham some 500 years prior. This is going to be where your offspring and where your people will be. And they're right there on the edge, literally on the edge of the territory to cross into it. When fear overwhelmed them because it was occupied and they didn't feel like they had the capacity to do it. And so instead of following God into where he wanted to lead them, they resisted and said, we don't want to do that. And so instead they wandered around the wilderness for 40 years. So now it's 40 years later, and the Israelites find themselves yet again on the edge of the territory that God had promised to them. And that's where we pick up in verse chapter 1. So after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Good words of encouragement for all of us, not just Joshua. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Uh, thank you for this passage that we have to um, explore a little bit more today to understand what it is you were calling the Israelites to. Uh, Father, I pray that as we uh, continue on, Lord, for the next few moments, that uh, your Holy Spirit would be very present and speak to our hearts. Lord, uh, not only do we hear with our, in, with our ears and, and uh, uh, just, Lord, uh, process that with our minds. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit can, can challenge our hearts this day as well. So Father, we commit this next period of time to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So there's a number of occasions in the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament, where God talks to an individual, but it's really a message for the entire group. 
And this is what one of those situations was. So the message was to uh, Joshua, but it was meant for the entire group. He was telling the entire group, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. This is the land I've given you. This is where you need to be. So although the words were spoken to Joshua, they were to be applied and they were to be understood by the entire tribe of Israel. Now, like the tribe of Israel, we here at Grace Covenant find ourselves, we're currently on the edge of what we believe a border, if you will, a task that is quite our future, that is a little bit daunting. Two verses in particular have shaped our thinking here at this point in time. One of them is in Isaiah chapter 54. It says, enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide, do not hold back. Lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Do not be afraid, you will not suffer shame. Do not fear disgrace, you will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. And then there's another verse that's also in, in formed our thinking at this time comes out of first uh, Corinthians chapter two. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Now, if you've taken a look inside your worship guide, uh, you'll already know that the three campuses of Grace Covenant uh, Church are beginning a two week capital campaign to raise $10 million over the next four years. Um, rather than me talking about it, we actually have a five-minute video prepared that we want to show you that actually gives you not just a little bit of understanding what the project looks like, but a little bit of context as to why we think this is appropriate at this point in time. So if I could have uh, the video here. Pastor Farrell here. I am so excited to be able to share with you what's ahead for us as a congregation, Grace Covenant Church. But before I can talk with you about the future, let me talk with you about the past. 1937 was the year Dr. and Miss Clanton came to Cornelius to start church, Cornelius Tabernacle, which has become, as we know today, Grace Covenant. They pastored this church for 40 years, and they were sowing seeds. This is what I love about the Clantons, is that they believed that there could be more. They believed in the mission of this church to this community and they were willing to take risks. And if you think of it like this, they sowed seeds that we're reaping today as a congregation. In other words, they invested forward. They embraced the future. And today we have that same opportunity looking forward. So let me tell you what's before us as a congregation. We have a four-year campaign that we're launching called Embracing Our Future. And it involves the building of two facilities on two different campuses. Here on Cornelius, we're going to be building about 28,000 square feet. That involves the Grace Life Center, a multi-purpose facility, facilities for middle school and high school ministries, and classrooms to support the ongoing growth of the Grace Covenant Academy as it's impacting us right here in the Lake Norman community. So that's what's before us for the Cornelius community. At East Lincoln, we bought 10 acres of land about 18 months ago. We are ready to develop a worship facility there to support the congregation. They are out of room. The, the community is growing. It's a great opportunity. 
So we'll be building a worship facility for East Lincoln, Grace Covenant East Lincoln, and adding on to our facilities here. That's about a $10 million investment. And so we're launching this campaign, inviting you to be a part of helping us shape the future. It's just as the Clintons invested forward, so we have that opportunity today to be able to invest in what God's doing in and through Grace Covenant, not only to our community, but to the world. I'm John Petricelli, and this is my lovely wife, Lena. And we've been attending Grace Covenant Church since April of 2010. One thing that I can say honestly is that we certainly were looking for a solid ministry for children. We learned pretty quickly that there is readily available and genuine community just everywhere within Grace. We actually joined a, a community group very early on. It just seemed that there were so many people that, that we connected with on a different level that we didn't really anticipate. We realized that, yes, our, our daughter was growing, she was learning, and, and it was a great atmosphere for her, but we didn't, I guess, we didn't anticipate how much there would be for us. John and I are not from here, and I believe a lot of people too are not from North Carolina. We were looking for at the time was uh, not just uh, a connection, but to build a family. So I say we came to Grace, we built relationships, uh, it became our village uh, for raising our daughter, just our village for just supporting each other. So for us it has been a home, I call it my tribe, it has been a place that I can genuinely say it has been my home. I'm excited to see it expand and just continue to uh, meet people at their, their needs um, through our church. I'm JC Edwards, married to Kirsten Edwards. We met on a Monday night um, here in Clanton Hall. I had joined the youth worship team and JC was already a member. And that's where I decided that this was the boy I was going to marry, much to my mother's shock. Um, but we met right back there on that stage singing for youth group. I think for us, music has always been important and we were given the opportunity from a young age to be in leadership through music. And that's part of the reason why after being gone for five years in South Carolina and coming back here, why we decided that Grace was where we wanted to be because we knew our kids were going to be given a solid Christ foundation. We don't want to become like a stagnant bit of water. We want to be like a river that's flowing into the ocean that is bringing fresh new water, fresh new life. So the church has a vision and a mission all about being love and grace to the community and to the world. And we had a model or a structure and that pretty much everything in the church had a structure that would help us reach that that goal. And you're right, I think in, more recently we've seen the structure change in a good way so that it's different, new, and fresh while still being able to complete the mission that Grace has been called to. Wow, what some amazing God stories about how Grace Covenant has impacted families. And that's just one small part of the miracle of what God is doing, has done, and will do in and through Grace Covenant. So as we're coming into this Embrace Our Future campaign, I thank you in advance for your willingness to be a part of the journey, to be a part of what God's doing as we embrace our future.
be a part of what God is doing. I believe the passage that we just read in Joshua um, speaks to us. I think it says something to us about how we actually should think about this uh, particular campaign where we're at in our life. Um, not, but not just a campaign. I think it has something to say to all of us about how we live our lives and how we actually want to approach obstacles and certain things that might be in front of us. See, one thing we need to remember is that God had a very specific plan for the Israelites. He had, he had, a, he had the land for them. But in order for them to actually occupy and to receive that, they actually had to take a step. They had to actually work with, there actually had to be a partnership with God. So, that being said, let's address the huge, huge elephant sitting in the middle of our room. And that's this. None of the projects that are being proposed have any direct influence on the people of Statesville. They're all about what's happening on the Cornelius campus or what's happening in the Denver campus. Nothing here. So that begs the question, why should we participate? Why should we do this? Why should we give our money towards something for which we actually have no direct benefit? Um, I've thought long and hard about these next few minutes. So uh, let, me, let me share with you some thoughts <laughs> as to why. <laughs> okay, so there's the philosophical response. Okay, there's the idea that we're all part of the same body, as Donna mentioned earlier. Three, one church, three campuses. And so we help one another. It's just kind of how we live life together. Um, there's a reciprocity between campuses. And so that's just, so from a philosophical standpoint, that's just part of how these things work. There's also the pragmatic perspective that um, we don't know in any organization when one group or one division, one branch benefits, it actually raises the level of all branches of the organization. And so from a pragmatic standpoint, if Cornelius and, and the Denver campus are actually stronger and healthier and better, it helps all of us raise that. So although there may not be the direct um, immediate observation where we have impact, we know that all of us benefit from that. So there's a pragmatic reason. Um, I could also play the obligation card. We are in this building today because the people of the other two campuses give in such a way that the money to get into here made it possible. Um, that's just that's just the hard cold facts that they have given. We've received the benefit um, from that, and so they took a step of faith, believing in what we're doing here, saying we're going to give to help you get into there. Um, you know, so if you want to play that card, like I can say, listen, this is it's it's give back time. Okay, they've been that's so we can participate that way. And I think there's another reason, um, and this is the one that has been most compelling for me. Um, if you remember back in June, we did a series on Galatians and looking at that, we worked through that book and it was Paul's letter to the churches in Galatia. And in, in the second chapter of Galatians, Paul references the church in Antioch. And I never really studied the book. I never studied uh, the, the church or what was happening in Antioch. But it, that sermon, that actually made me curious. And so over the next few weeks, I did some research to find out what was happening in that particular city, in that particular group. Antioch in Jerusalem is in, you know, uh, or it is in Israel. Antioch is in present-day Turkey. So it's in the Mediterranean, but it's in the north area. In Acts chapter 11, we discover, well, let me, let me ask, where do we find the first revival happening among Gentiles? Antioch. 
Where is the first place we hear the term Christians used in reference to those who follow Jesus? Antioch. And then in verse 27 of chapter 11 in the the book of Acts, it says that during this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, a man named Agabus, uh, stood up and through the spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. The disciples, the followers, the people in Antioch, as each one was able, decided to, proceed, to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. So where was the first missions offering taken? Antioch. Then you get into Acts chapter 13, and it says, While they're fasting and praying, the Holy Spirit said to them, Set apart for me Barnabas and Paul for the work I have for them. And they, they sent them out in what was, we now know as the, Paul's first missionary journey. Here's the thing. The Holy Spirit didn't go to the people in Jerusalem. He went to the people in Antioch and said, This is what I want you to do. The first missionaries were sent out from Antioch. All three of Paul's missionaries' journeys began, had their base, had their beginnings in Antioch. And then later on in the first few centuries of the early church, the theological development of what we believe today was was just the Antioch was a critical place of theological thought and development for the first few centuries of the church. It was an amazing place. There was a life and vitality that existed in Antioch that did not exist in Jerusalem. And the more I read and the more I studied, I just felt God impressing on my heart, in my spirit, that the people of Grace Covenant here in Statesville, that we were really much just like the people in Antioch. We were not the first congregation. We're clearly not the biggest And we're not the one that gets the most attention. But no one can deny that God is doing something special among us. On more than one occasion here in the last few weeks, um, a comment was made to me along the lines of something, I'm paraphrasing conversations here, but because the comment was made something like this, because there's no direct benefit for them, you really have your work cut out for you trying to engage the people of states will in this campaign. And I looked at him, I said, are you kidding me? I said, I've got the easiest job of all three campuses. I says, first off, the people of Statesville, they believe in what is God is doing in and through the campuses of Grace Covenant Church. They're part of it. They've received, they, they understand, they get it, even probably more so than the people in Cornelius or Denver, they get what that dynamic looks like because of how we've benefited from that relationship. Secondly, they understand the value of partnership. We've been the recipients of that. We get it more than probably the other campuses. There's a level of commitment here that I have not often seen in groups of people. Then I wanted to say, I said, due to our size, it's obvious that we're not going to have the largest pledges of the three campuses. That's just, unless some of you are holding out on me and you've uh, won the lottery here recently. uh, (laughs) That's, 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 that's an accepted fact. But mark my words, Statesville will have the highest participation rate of all three campuses. So why should we give to the capital campaign? 
Because like the people of Antioch, we want to give ourselves to what God is doing. Whether that's in our own backyard, whether that's down the road on off 77, or whether that's on the other side of the world, we want to be right in the middle of what God is doing. That's what we do here in Statesville. So with that being said, let me share with you some thoughts about what uh, this means to embrace our future, what this might look like, especially from the passage here from Joshua chapter 1. We need to celebrate the past, but don't camp out in the past. This campaign is all about the future. It's all about the future. Uh, you, ever, you ever heard the motto, if it ain't broke, don't fix it? It's hogwash. Okay? Those of you who are in business or companies, if you don't adjust and you don't adapt sometimes proactively, you're out of business before you even know it. In this day and age, it's constant change. And whether we recognize it or not, the, 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 the reality of church life these days is changing. Grace, covenant, all three campuses has to continue to adapt and change in order to accommodate what's happening within our culture. The message doesn't change. Our mission doesn't change. But how we go about it has to constantly change, and we have to constantly adapt. That's just life of what it means to be an organization. Now, in in the Denver campus in East Lincoln, the need is obvious as to what they need to change. They have no room running three services. They're busting out the seams. They have to have a a bigger facility. So that one's obvious. In Cornelius, not so obvious. They can continue to function as they are. They've been doing it for years now. But here's the thing. Their staff is split up among, in Cornelius, on two campuses. They're in two different buildings across Statesville. They, some of them literally take their lives in their hands multiple times a day trying to cross the street to get from one side to the other because of they, they need to be to get together for certain meetings and stuff. So this new development will allow them to be under one roof. The one thing which isn't even, wasn't even highlighted in the video that it's going to do is a reorganization of their offices. What's currently their offices is going away, and it's going to become an open I want to say kind of a lobby area. It's, you know what the best part of our building is, in my mind? It's the gathering place out there. We can't get you guys to come in here to start the service because you're all out there talking and, and, and sharing life. And, and that's fine. Cornelius doesn't have that now. They will have that with this renovation. The ministry that will occur out in their gathering place is going to go through the roof. What will happen, the relationships built that will be established will be phenomenal for them. So technically for them, you could say it ain't broke. But you know what? If they don't fix this, it's never going to get better. It's not going to improve. It's not anywhere close to what it could be for them. So we need to celebrate the past, but don't camp out in the past. Another thought I had about this passage is that preparation precedes possession. Today is the first day of the 2018 NFL season. The the Cowboys are in town, and at 425, they will play the Panthers, and they will both beat on each other to see who's going to win the game. I'm not going to ask to see who's uh, fans of who. We don't want to cause any church splits on on this day here. But The players have been practicing and training for months. They've studied film of their opponent to see if they can notice tendencies. 
Little things like they can literally know it's for the linemen who are the, you know, the ones bent down, they have their hand on the ground before the ball snapped. You can literally tell if it's going to be a running play or a passing play based upon the pressure they put on their fingers. So little tendencies like that, if, if the person's not careful, they're giving away what the play is going to be by how they position themselves on the field. So there's all kinds of preparation. So before the balls even snap, before the, the balls put in play, there's all kinds of preparation that's taking place to put them in a place to, to not only succeed, but to thrive in that playing field. To win a football game requires hours and hours of training and hours and hours of preparation. And Joshua, God told Joshua to the Israelites, you need to prepare. You need to get ready because here's what's coming. And so just the idea of preparation is something that, that we needed to do. So celebrate the past, but don't camp out in the past. Preparation precedes possession. And then third thought is that as we partner faith and action together, as we put faith and action together, the impossible becomes possible. I love the thought, and I'm not, I'm not sure where it came from, but faith can move mountains, but don't be surprised if God hands you a shovel. <laughs> and the passage there in Romans, it references that in your worship guide, in the outline the passage from Romans, but it's actually talking about Abraham. And about when, without weakening his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Remember when God told him that he was going to have a son? He was 75 years old. Then he had to wait 25 years. So by the time Isaac was born, he was 100 years old. And that, that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God has power to do what he had promised. God told the Israelites, he said, I'm going to give you this land. Now pick up your swords and spears and go to war. I always thought that was an odd gift. Uh, but here's the thing. We see this time and time again in Scripture. God has promised to provide. He's promised to deliver. He's promised. But more often than not, it's predicated on us taking an initial step of faith. We've got to engage that process and say and there has to be an element of trust on our part. Lastly, the fourth thought in this is that obedience to God's direction opens the way for God's work. Obedient makes it possible for God to do some amazing things. And along the way, he promises us his presence. He promises us his power. And he promises us his provision. See, here's the thing, though. God's promises are predicated on our ability and our willingness to step out in faith. We have to take the first step. Using that football analogy I just mentioned earlier, you can practice 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 52 weeks, 54, 52, 52 weeks a year, thank you, 52 weeks a year, but until you actually put the ball in play, you don't know what's going to happen. You've got to put the ball in play. You've got to snap the ball before you actually find out what's going to happen. Nothing happens until someone actually snaps the ball and a play is run. 
So that being the case, what's, what's next? What are, we, what are we asking here? So I'm asking three things today. <clears throat> three things. One is, is to learn. Now, we've got some information meetings coming up. And so this Thursday and Friday in Cornelius, and then next Friday in, also in Cornelius, actually, I don't have to do this. Inside your worship guide is a little card, a little postcard that actually has all this information. Um, and so it looks like this, but on the back it tells you the dates. So there's four information meetings coming up. Three of them are in Cornelius. One of them is in Denver. Um, so Friday the 20th. I'm sorry, Thursday the 20th is in Denver. The other three sessions are in Cornelius. I would encourage you, you need to, you need to register for those sessions online. There's a, the email address, I'm sorry, the website. The registration address is here on the card. Um, we need you to register because it, it's dinners involved. It's barbecue, so even if you don't care about the campaign but you want to barbecue dinner, okay? Wait, that's recorded, isn't it? Shoot, okay. Um, <laughs> Okay, but, but come, there's going to be there's gonna be a little bit more details and information about some of the specifics. More than that, though, it's a chance for you to ask questions. Here's one of the things I've appreciated about Pastor Farrell and the others is that they want everything on the table. There's nothing, there's no hidden agenda, there's no ulterior motives. Let, if, if there's questions, they want the chance to, uh, to answer them so that you feel good about what you, what's happening um, and so please, you know, t- take this card, take it home and register. Uh, but again, if you're, if you're interested in coming Thursday, which is the 13th, I need to give a head count to the person who's catering it by Tuesday the 11th. So I need you to register by, in two days. So I'm not asking you to do anything. And at these information meetings, there's no commitments expected then. It's strictly information. So there's no pressure. You're not going to, like, you can't leave until you, you know, you know, so none of that. It's just, it's just information time. So I encourage you to take advantage of that. Secondly, pray. I want you to pray. And I'm asking you to pray and ask God what he wants you to do. Okay, I notice I didn't ask you to pray if God wants you to do something. I ask you to pray what is it God wants you to do. What is it he wants you to do for you and your family? And I recognize that for all of us, this is a very, um, can be a very complex question to answer. Because we all have different financial needs. We all have different financial capacity. Some of us living on fixed income. Some of us are doing really well right now in this season of life. And we've got all these things that each of you have to consider and weigh out. But here's what I'm convinced of. Regardless of your circumstances, pray and ask God what he wants you to do. God will not ask you to do anything more than you're capable of doing. Or he won't ask you to do something for which he's not able to provide for you. And I see that a lot of times in Scripture and in my own life. I've observed when somebody said, you know, I didn't have this much money in my account. I have no idea what's coming, but I just felt in my heart that this is what God was asking me to do. And so I did it. And you're not going to believe what happened. What did they do? They put the ball in play. They took that step. And because they did that, they felt that prompting from the Holy Spirit. They acted on it. And God then came in along and just did some things that, they, that would not have happened had they not taking that step. So sometimes life's best stories and circumstances come out of us taking that kind of a risk and step. But it needs to come from the Holy Spirit. All right? 
Uh, this isn't coming from me. I'm not asking you to do anything that you can't, that you, and if you're married, your spouse, and you need to be in agreement on this. We don't want no family counseling because of this capital campaign here. Um, so, but pray about this. Pray about it together and see what it is, what it is that God wants us to do. And then in two weeks, um, we're going to ask you to make a, a pledge. Now, some of you, it may just be a one-time gift, and that's fine. Uh, but then there's the pledge. The other thing I've appreciated, they're not stringing this out for weeks. Okay? It's going to be over in two weeks. And so we're going to, we're going to do it. But we ask you to pray. Um, we ask you to commit. We'll be collecting uh, uh, pledge cards on the 23rd. Um, but you can also do this online as well. And there's information that will be um, coming next week um, as well as far as just how to make that happen. Here's the thing. Don't miss out on what God is doing amongst us. Don't miss it. Um, I'm not, I don't know what that number will be for you. But again, <laughs> I've committed us to having the highest participation rate among the three campuses. <laughs> I need you to back me up. <laughs> All right. I, I, uh, <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So whatever it is, I just want us to be able to say with, with amongst us, with heart that we were behind this. We believe in this. We want to be a part of this. Whatever that looks like for you, that's fine. But let's do this together as a group, as one community that says that, well, you know what? Just like in the Antioch, we understand our brothers and sisters here have a challenge. We're going to be a part of helping them in that. So here's the other thing I've realized that God doesn't overpromise, nor does he underdeliver. If we're willing to follow his lead and partner and put together faith and action, the impossible becomes possible. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Uh, Thank you for what um, we see in, in Joshua, in the Israelites. Lord, we saw early on what happens when they let fear um, and disillusionment override what you had told them to do and the consequences that came from that. And then we also hear now that we're, they're back at this opportunity, they're back at this place, and they have a second chance. And you again have said, don't be afraid, be courageous, take this step and see what I'll do. And Lord, we're at that place right now where we've, we're hearing this call to take a step of action. Father, my prayer is that each of us, as we go home this day and for this next week, Lord, that we're thinking and praying about and, and asking you, Father, my prayer is that everyone would have clarity. Um, Lord, just clarity of what that needs to be that will allow them to feel good. Father, if it's a step of faith, Lord, may it be one that they just have such anticipation, Father, of expectation of what you're going to do. Father, you've promised to show yourself strong in this situation. So, Lord, that's our expectation, is that you will indeed, for each of us as individuals, but, Father, for us as a congregation as well, we believe, Lord God, for you to do the impossible in this situation. Father, again, I thank you for all these things. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.